Welcome to the Foundation Podcast. My name is Simone Scott and I'm going to be sharing some South African stories of hope with you. My goal is to give you more information about the great things that people out there are doing to improve our country. Live Village. You may have heard the name before. If you live in KZN, chances are pretty good that you've heard of this particular organization. I don't actually know how to categorize Live, simply because of the scope of this organization. It really is so large, it kind of defies easy categorization. Over the years that I've lived here in Durban, I've known quite a few people who interacted with Live in some way. The one guy was using Live as a case study for his postgraduate degree. Another of my friends worked as a speech therapist there, while someone else I knew described becoming a physio there as her dream job. So to be honest, I felt like I had a bit of an idea what they did at Live. Obviously, they provided holistic care to the children on site. Holistic. It's such a nice, encompassing word for education and the different therapeutic needs that are met at LIV. But then when I actually contacted Chester Koyana, the manager at LIV, and learned more about how things actually operate, I realized that the goal is much more than that. They actually aim to provide a family to the children at LIV. When Chester and I first started speaking, he showed me the overview video they made that tells a bit of a story about what happens here at LIV. I'm a real sucker for these types of videos and I started tearing up halfway through, which is mildly embarrassing, but Chester handled it really well. One thing you need to know before listening to this episode is that Chester does not shy away from mentioning God. God forms an integral part of the story because the couple who founded Live were inspired to start the organization because of a vision from God. What I also find interesting about the story is that they didn't just set out and start live right after the vision came to them. They first spent some time preparing themselves for the work by working into the Amaoti area. The statement that the kids mentioned at the end um, of Together We Can, it's definitely teamwork, it has to be. Um, incredibly miraculous as well. Um, I'll share just a few stories around that. Um, so the founders, as I said, Titch and John Smith, and um, Vision been given in 1997, and then they spent some time in Amaoti, which is one of the informal uh, settlements here in, in KZN, one of the biggest ones. And um, yeah, just doing a whole lot of incredible work there, like back to school programs and um, working with the children, teenage pregnancy, um, and uh, yeah, just um, ECD programs in particular as well. So there was a lot of groundwork that as a couple they needed to go through just in terms of understanding the scope of what needs to be done. Um, and at that time, I really, I mean, in conversations with them um, and really just looking back what they've learned before they came out to, to the village. So God was definitely taking them through a process of, of, of purification, of learning, of, of challenges and working through a lot of things there, um, which has really given them the, the, the opportunity to step into the space. So by the time then Liv came through, um, yeah, it was the two of them. And then they met with um, Anne Moodley, who was one of the directors and also the spiritual uh, mother of the village, um, who's really just been such a, an incredible asset in that she, uh, with every staff member that is here, basically, she's the, the mom that we go to to cry on and really just yeah, for her to share in terms of um, how we can go through some of the challenges that we face. So those emotional things that we often don't think about, um, we, we, we've been blessed to have people like her on board and, and hence I'm saying the teamwork um, that, that, that's needed. So the three of them really pioneered through the early years. 
As Chester explained more about Titch's journey to me, it became quite clear that Titch had made some pretty good connections thanks to his background. But Chester also highlighted the fact that there had been some rough patches in his background too, making the start of Live all the more miraculous. So his background, um, yeah, you would never um, think that someone like him would be, you know, where he's at right now. And that's why really it is a God story. So Titch used to play cricket for South Africa, um, a wicketkeeper. Um, born in Joburg, but then came to university here in in um, in in, uh, in Durban, UKZN, uh, Marisburg side. Um, did really well with cricket, like I said, played for South Africa, and then unfortunately then got into you know wrong friends and and and, and influences, and ended up in a, in a home for alcoholics and and, and, and drug abusers. Um, then out of that space. Um, God brought um, Peter Pollock, who came in to, to walk alongside him. And um, yeah, he found Christ, and then he ended up going back to Joburg. And by then he had um, accumulated a whole lot of debt um, through different things um, that, he, that he had got himself into. And um, yeah, so really had to work himself out of that debt. I mean, it was millions, and he often shares the story of how he used to you know, look for jobs and find jobs, work, and pay those debts back. And um, he made sure that he would pay every single person that he owed money. And then by the time um, he was working for an insurance company and then in that space, then he had this idea of starting his own company. So he started TSA, Titch Smith and Associates. And um, he ran that company successfully um, and he did really, really well. And then by the time um, the village uh, vision was really coming alive again, um, he really felt that he needed to hand over the business to his son. So his son now, Greg Smith, is, is running the business and so that Titch could, um, um, can, can, can follow the, 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 the vision that God gave to him about, about this, this village. Thankfully, because of those connections Titch had made and maintained once he'd gotten his life back on track, there was quite a bit of support from the right people when he launched the concept in 2001 with a big banquet. You would kind of expect only positivity for a concept like this. Well, I certainly expected people to be positive about it. But as I spoke with Chester, I realized that there were also some people who couldn't understand what Titch was doing and didn't really think he was making the right choice. Anyway, he pushed through, using this banquet as a way to create awareness about the project, as well as to raise funds for the village. But when you hear the stories of faith and just a couple who uh, yeah, had the, the tenacity and also just the perseverance to push through a lot of... Um, people that were saying, Titch, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You know, who does this? And, and, and how, how, who do you think you are that you're going to pull this off kind of thing? So there was a lot of naysayers and people that really that um, they trusted and hoped would come alongside, but uh, unfortunately didn't. And so by the time the banquet took place, um, like I said, I was there as well. Huge, huge event. I've never been to anything that big, um, but it was massive. Uh, so John Smith was there, Sean Pollock was there as the MCs, um, and then also uh, Zulim Kize, the, the ex-premier uh, of KZN. Um, he was there as well, and um, that was a, a, a pivotal um, partnership that, that really Titch had, you know, in terms of government space, and um, really helped in opening a lot of doors. So by the time the banquet was finished, um, whatever funds you know came out of that space, then we're able to kind of start you know building into into what we see here today. Um, and so the funny, not funny, but also the miraculous stories that um, the first houses were built. So basically, the whole idea was that we'd build the first houses and then start to build a school, a classroom, and then literally the village will grow as time goes on. But inevitably, then what happened was. Um, we had an issue with our sewage on the village. And so then Titch went to Zweli and said, Zweli, I'm, I need your help. 
I've got this issue with sewage around the village. Anyone can can you help me in any way? So Zweli says, listen, I can't help, but come to cabinet in in uh, in 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 Peter Maritzburg and come and share the vision. So Tish went through, shared the vision with the ministers, and literally um, after he shared, the the the, the minister said, listen. We've got a man here saying that God has given him a vision about looking after our children in this nation. If we don't do something about this, we're going to be in a, in a lot of trouble. And uh, long and short of it, then a huge amount of money was, was put into his account. And basically then, yeah, what you see today was, was built, um, as you can see. It, it's like literally just mushroomed um, in, in such a short space of time. So the right foundations were laid and the right relationships were formed to enable the village to succeed. But what does LIV stand for? What exactly do they do at LIV? And why do they do it? And what would success look like to them? So it's called Lungisisa Inlela Village, L-I-V. So which basically means make the path straight or prepare the way. Currently, uh, we have 175 children, 175, and um, yeah, 33 mothers currently. Yeah, so like the video says, uh, we do have 96 houses on the property, um, only using 33 for the foster mothers with the children, and then we've also got staff that's there on the village as well, and that's around about 40-odd about houses that are being used for that. So the primary um, needs or at least um, areas that we feel or we felt the visionaries felt, you know, when the village started, um, our social services, um, our clinic, um, the school. Yeah, so those three were the key, you know. Health-wise, kids need to have, you know, uh, yeah, so again, the thinking was that most of our kids would be HIV, you know, positive and having to deal with that. So that's why it was key that we had, you know, care for them, which is much better than government care, etc., etc. School, we always believed that we wanted a school on site to, 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 to have the environment where kids are holistically taught, you know, educationally, but also um, um, other means, you know, of, of life where everything was here, that kids didn't have to go and go to an external school where there was a lot of issues and other stuff there. You know, um, I want to use the term being polluted by the world. It might come across as intense, but that's the kind of thing. So those two, so clinic, school, and then the social services because of the office that it holds in communicating with the government around how we look after the kids. Um, and then the business side, um, part of creating jobs for rural communities, which is the second part of the vision. Um, very key for us to have opportunities where the neighboring community could come and find work. So farming is, 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 is obviously a, a, a key and a priority. And I want to say an easier sort of avenue that you can have a mass or quite a few people coming on board to come and, 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 and work in, in, in an area. And how we use that farming then is quite the key thing, you know, to make it work. Are we doing macadamias? Are we doing moringa? Are we doing tunnels, etc.? So that's where, you know, we trust that we'll find the, the right niche so that we can, the funds can come in. So that was critical. Also part of the job space then is the training department because um, if we're not going to employ you, 
we want to train you so that you can be employable. Um, we won't be able to employ all 20,000 people that live here, but we can definitely train people over six months, over a year, over three years to be able to go out and find jobs. So the training part um, is an incredibly crucial part of the village in that it speaks so much into um, the solution um, that our country needs, you know, with unemployment, uh, but also people having um, credible certificates to go out there and find jobs for themselves. So um, it adds a lot of, 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 of credibility, but also value in this community. And so that's why, yeah, so at the training at the moment, we've got the Welding Academy, which, um, which is in, in, in support and sponsorship and partnership with Afrox. Um, they've basically given us the funds to be able to um, have the 11 students over the three years finish their course with us. They're currently now working um, in different spaces in Derbs and uh, they'll be working for I think it's going to be a seven months or eight months and then when they're done they'll do a trade test and then literally they'll be yeah professional welders they can weld anywhere in the world so that's our first group we trust for partners and funding there again to help us in terms of next getting the next groups um, IHS came on board International Hotel School and they've helped us with the culinary kitchen and then we've got uh, chef um, lecturers that come out to, to teach the students. There we've been running for four years, yeah. And um, yeah, we've had, I mean, the classes range from 20 to 25. Yeah, so we had about at least 80 or so kids, or students that have been coming out. And those are not from the village at the moment. Those are all neighboring communities because our kids were still too young. So, um, yeah, that's, that's been incredible. Then, um, as another department, it is um, homes management, which basically um, caters for the mothers and the children on the village. Um, that's a, yeah, so that's your food, as I was saying, that's your clothes, um, donations, etc. Um, we've got our finance team, which is here as well. Um, that's our CFO. He's got his own team that basically obviously looks in all to the, the funding um, operationally. As the donations come in, then they'll know how to um, spread that around the village. Um, is it textbooks? Is it um, medication? Is it um, clothes? Is it food? Um, et cetera, et cetera. All the different needs. Um, the health side, um, also we've got our therapy. You asked about the psychologist. Um, over the years, we've had psychologists that have been working on site um, as, 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 as a permanent staff. Uh, we've had about two to three, um, but um, we've, we've released them. Um, I think it's quite an interesting one, uh, Simone, in that from my perspective, um, looking in, but also being part of those conversations, um, my, 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 my desire and my dream, you know, in that space is that the psychologists that we would have would be ones that are more afraid with our kids' backgrounds in terms of where they come from. Because some of the difficulties, I, I presume, again, this is not factual, but I think the fact that our psychologists haven't been here for long, you know, people, they'll, they'll come for a year and they'll go, or come for two years and they'll go, is that there is a 
there is a connection that needs to be connected when it comes to really speaking to our children's lives. Um, our kids, yeah, have very difficult cases and it does take a lot, you know, from that person and we are still trusting for that so psychologist who will be the right fit for the village. Um, those who, are, who had come and I honor them, um, they've done amazing work. We've seen a lot of breakthrough with many of the kids, um, but we're still waiting for that sweet spot. Yeah, so yeah, that's that, that's that. OTs, um, speech therapists, yeah, amazing ladies um, who've been on board. Um, one was here for about three years, um, and, and yeah, so her, her life circumstances changed. She, 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 was, uh, she got married while she was here, also had children, and then they decided to move off. Um, but we've always had OTs in their place, so um, yeah, it's been a key aspect of the village and helping the children with milestones and, and really just yeah, movement. And uh, what's also quite exciting is that two years ago, we invited um, kids that live in the community, um, but their parents work here, uh, but live in the community in, in, in Cottonlands. And so it's been nice to see our OTs also working with those children because they come to our ECD and they come to our school now, which has been quite awesome. Um, speech therapy, speech therapist also has been with us, also doing amazing work with our kids as well. Yeah, we've also got horses. Um, it was not in the video. It will be in the next next video that we do. And yeah, and we found um, yeah some beautiful synergy. But I think in particular around many of the kids who have many you know deep 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 seated trauma. Um, you find that with the animals, with the horses, there's quite a, an incredible connection that is is there. Then lastly, um, I mentioned the school, ECD, all the way to matric. And then sport-wise, we have Live to Run. Live to Run, um, yeah, you'll, you'll, if you follow Live in, in, in different spaces, you, you'll see them in particular a lot this year as well because it's growing in, like, in a beautiful rate. But the long and short of it, um, Eastern Cape Lady um, was a runner herself. Lindy Mayer is her name. Um, she's been with us for many years also. I think she came about 2013, 14. She lived on site and she started a running club on the village for young and old. Just come, let's run, let's, let's exercise, etc. But now this club has grown and, um, and um, it's attracted a lot of interest around the country. And um, we've got an elite group which basically goes to Prime, which is a, a fitness... Um, High Performance uh, Fitness Academy uh, based out at, uh, at, at Moses Mabida Stadium. And they go there three times a week, really just working with these athletes and making sure that they're getting better and better and better and better. And so the whole ethos around Lift to Run is that we want to bridge the gap between um, those who have and those who don't have. Um, giving those who don't have opportunities to mingle with the top businesses and the top athletes so that these kids can aspire to be greater but also giving those businesses the opportunity to come and be part of the bigger story, not just running, but yeah, what running can do. And so, yeah, it's been such a beautiful testimony of what is possible in this, on the village. And um, Salomon, who's uh, one of the top running um, 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 companies, they're up there with Nike and, and Adidas, etc. They are full, full, full partners with us. And this year we're launching a massive, there's a, actually, I'll invite you to that in the next couple of 
months, I think it's mid-Feb or towards the end of Feb, uh, we have a, an open day where Salomon is coming to do a, a, a workshop, um, taking in about 60 kids from different schools around the community and basically launching the partnership between Live and Salomon. And we want to have, in every village, we want to have a Live to Run um, coach and doing what we're doing here. Chester started working at the village because of his sporting background and he stayed because he felt called to make a permanent move to live. In his role, he makes sure that the live sports teams are exposed to all kinds of teams from all kinds of different backgrounds. Initially, um, I've got a sporting background and rugby in particular. And um, when I came to the village initially, Titch basically said, Chester, I'd love you to come and run the sport in the village. I was coaching at the Sharks Academy at the time and um, a bit hesitant because I wanted to, you know, coach the Sharks at some point. Um, but then the second point he said was, I'd love for you guys, you and your family to come and live on the village because I want the children to see example of family so that they can also want to have their own families. And then really, yeah, target my heart. And so Ati, my wife and I um, just prayed into it and we, we felt that this was the right time. And so 2013, we moved on site in January. And since then, um, I ran the sport um, at the school, which really meant building the sport um, on the village um, opportunities with other schools. Because uh, we've got a school on site, ECD, all the way up to matric. And so my role was really just yeah, introducing our school to other schools and uh, fixtures and leagues and, and just getting the children to play um, competitively against other schools from Westville boys to Westville girls to um, Durban, Durban, uh, Durban North girls or any schools around um, Ashton, um, all sorts. So which was quite really, really exciting. And I think in that space, also having our kids um, playing against some of the schools um, around Verulam or around Cottonlands. So they've got the both sides, you know, where it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a netball court on the parking parking lot. The next weekend, it's a netball court, an amazing and pristine um, 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 grounds in, in, in Mklanga, for example. And I really felt at the time that those were very key um, growth elements that our children needed to, to see and be part of um, for them to really appreciate you know, what they've got, but also to see that they can also compete at such a high level against um, other kids that are more affluent and, and really yeah, you know, doing well, et cetera, et cetera, or what it seems like doing well. Um, and then in 2016, um, um, Titch and Joan, um, they had been staying on the village since 2012, but then in 2016 felt that it was time for them to, to move off-site and, and move back to Mklanga. And so um, they um, yeah, invited my wife and I and Jonathan and Carita to take on the leadership of the village in terms of the daily operations day-to-day. Um, -day. So that's been that since 2016 up until now, uh, which has been very, very interesting. So the teamwork again comes into play. Um, we are very... Um, differently gifted um, from myself, um, who was much more operational, um, more detailed, um, and, and Carita, who's, um, who's um, the, the co-leaders as well. And then Jonathan and my wife are much more, um, I'll say more relational, more, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We often have these, um, these, these, these personality tests that we do. They very much matchy. They're the same in that they are, they call them, uh, what's the word, palm trees. And that very laissez-faire, anything goes, um, and very different to, 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 to myself and Carita, 
But that's been the beauty about this teamwork, team leadership, in that we are able to um, take on so much of the village because we are different in the way that we made up. Um, and so operationally, then myself and Carita and the ops team, and then that basically um, we, we get the department mentors or department managers. They report to us in terms of what's happening in the departments, from the school to the social services, to the training department, to the health department, to the homes department, et cetera, et cetera. All right. And so then Jonathan um, is part of the church base. We've also got a church on site. And uh, basically, he's got a team around him that makes sure that spiritually and, uh, and, and pastorally, the people from the mothers to the children to the staff are looked after. And then my wife um, heads up the homes management space, which basically looks after the moms, food, clothes, making sure that the house is, up, is kept well and, 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 and whatever needs to be fixed or, or renovated or, or, made, or made pretty, she's, she's part of that space. I found myself wondering about these house moms. A lot of what makes the village work seems to centre around them. Initially, when the village started, um, the, 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 the founders, uh, Titch and Joan and, and uh, my Anne, they would go to different communities, and particularly the churches, share the vision of the village in that this is who we are, we look after orphan and vulnerable children, um, at any given time we will need mothers who basically will give up you know, you know, their life to come in and serve on the village because it is a full-time um, uh, um, job, it's a lifestyle, it's literally living here and, uh, and, and forsaking all else. And so uh, the live mom is a very special person, it's a really, really particular and um, unique individual who yeah, often um, doesn't get the credit they, they, they deserve, but uh, we are so appreciative of them because the village wouldn't be what it is today without those mothers. And so they do come from neighboring communities, uh, in particular churches that we've, we've partnered with um, for that purpose. Um, I'd probably say the youngest is uh, probably around my age or so, so you'd say about 35, 34, and um, the oldest at the moment is probably about 50, Six, yeah, 56 to 60, let's say 60. Yeah, so that it's kind of like there. Um, initially, we really felt that we wanted obviously more mature and older mums, but we've also found that in some instances, some of the younger ones have been quite incredible just in terms of resourceful and um, ideas. And uh, yeah, it's been a nice balance that we, we found. So we, we are quite more relaxed now in terms of um, the younger, but I mean, not so young as in the 20s, but yeah, 30s or so. We say it's quite quite a reasonable. Everything is, is given to them by the village: um, food, clothing, um, uniform, sports clothes, etc. Um, but mom is given the, the 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 independence to run the house as she sees fit, uh, from cooking whatever. Yeah. So food wise, everyone gets the same, but then mom cooks it the way that she wants to in the house. Yeah. So that's yeah. We give the moms independent um, 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 run to basically do as they would like to in the house. When I asked about the possibility of a lived dad, Chester's response makes a lot of sense. I suspect his response also gives a good indication of why their founder Titch invited Chester and Atty to come stay on site. The sense and, the, and, the, and I guess the reality as well is that, um, this is from our founders now, is that most of the, the atrocities and, and hurts and, 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 and abuse that happens to the children that end up in the village, unfortunately is done by males. And so, you know, moving them from one male aspect to another, 
we've always just felt that it would be very difficult and then also which is also not such a, a good thing for us and we trust that you know we will get better at this as a nation is that in our communities you hardly find families where a mom and a dad are actually thriving and doing well so it's always been difficult for us to look and find those people to say would love for you to come and be a mom and dad in the village we are not kicking it off definitely would love in the future that you could have um, you know families a mom and a dad who are basically able to be house parents among the village yeah so who never knows we'll see hearing chester speak about this issue I was even more grateful that his family live within this community, that the young children on the village do get to see a positive picture of a complete family with both a mom and a dad. Uh, it seems pretty logical that if we expect people to be able to live out that picture, they must be exposed to it at some point as well. So we moved on to discussing the practicalities of how life here on the village actually works. How many children does one mom care for? How do they integrate new children into a home? And what do they expect from the children as they grow up? So the most is six. Yeah, currently the most is six in a house. Um, so yeah, the houses range from the low, the least in the house is currently about three or four, and then the most will be six. The house itself, the rooms themselves, that can take up to eight children. Um, but I'm pretty sure that for quite a while we'll have six as the maximum in the house. Kids, um, at the moment our youngest is about two years old. Yeah, yeah and uh, the oldest is 21 so that's the kind of range at the moment and obviously as they grow they grow um, our children come from neighboring communities the furthest ones uh, come from Richards Bay yeah up that side um, and also Maritzburg on the other side and so in each community um, where our children come from there should be a social worker who has, a, who has certain children that is under their care and um, when the abuse or anything or neglect happens then they go to a social welfare or child welfare organization basically to say that this is a situation and we need to place this particular child in a place of safety or into a foster home or into, a, into, a, into an, um, um, an orphanage. And so we have our own social workers on board and our social worker with a mum go to court and basically sign a two-year court order for that child. And every two years, mum, social worker from live and external social worker go to court and uh, make sure that the child is being looked after, they're not being abused, they're reaching their milestones. So it's a basically a, an accountability kind of relationship that we have with the government, with the courts, um, making sure that the children are looked after. So once once they're 18 um, in most organizations then the court is done with them basically and they need to look after themselves but we've committed to every child that will look after them until they can stand on their own two feet what that looks like is that those who are able to finish matric we've got a release team that basically looks at university entrances uh, whatever um, gap year entrances you name it whatever the child is interested in we will do the best we can to fit them into those spaces. We've also got children that won't finish matric, and so grade nine or grade eight, or depending on when they be exiting the, the school structure, um, we will then, through the release team, put them into spaces that they can go and work or serve or do whatever needs to be done as they grow and, 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 and they learn. So live is home for life. Um, currently, our oldest children, they are a year out of school, um, and 
we have just recently now started a transition house which basically means that child moves out of house with mom and foster children moves into a a, a, a staff house basically where they are staying with a, a youth and child care worker and that's basically just teaching them to be more independent they learn to cook them i mean they would have learned to cook with trust by the time they get to this space but here it's just solidifying that you need to stand on your own two feet take a taxi to to the shops or to movies or whatever you want to do um, yeah so there's more extension basically for them to be young adults it's also good to have our social workers in-house because um, they would know the case they would know um, the, the external social worker will be discussing with them at length in terms of what actually happened so most of us don't know those stories to that extent it's only when the children find trust in you and then want to share basically this is what happened or this is where I come from. <clears throat> so that transition is, is, is so key. Um, so what you do for each child is that obviously mom being the primary caregiver um, and social worker being very close to that primary um, as the people that child meets for the first time at court. So we give them time. So two weeks we child comes on we do our assessments on the village in terms of just yeah school assessment uh, ot assessments um, um psychological assessments etc based on the on the children then there's like a two-week program where we say that mom this child must not leave your side um doesn't matter what age they are um and basically in that time getting to know mom um you know her values her ways mom teaching her about the village or him about the village who we are what we stand for and that kind of thing and then obviously the siblings in the house would also be imparting a lot of that so we really feel that that first few weeks is key for child to bond and to get into into what's happening here then from then on it's the school they part of school then they start to know people around the village um yeah and so i mean it, it's different for all of them as you can imagine um, but you, you know, you can see, you know, closed up, um, not wanting to look at you, especially if you're an adult. Um, yeah, very shy and timid and, and that kind of thing. But over time, you see, you know, the flower begins to bloom and, you know, the smile comes. You, you know, you remember their names and you, you're talking to them. They get to know your name. Um, other kids are obviously always talking about, you know, the different people on the village. So... Coach Chester, for example, maybe kids are like, yeah, he's the boss of the village or he's this or he's that. So when you meet them now, it's like, oh, so you are this person. Yes. And we chat and we're like, okay. Sometimes if they open, they'll ask, so what do you do? And you share, you know, the kind of thing. But the, 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 the environment around them in terms of the people, but also aesthetically, the cleanliness, the, the fresh air, the... Um, no fear of cars driving everywhere, um, no fear of someone can kidnap you or run away with you type of thing. So I believe honestly that all those things add to the child's ability to be like, Whew, I'm at peace, I can relax, um, I'm safe here, I'm loved here. Um, and everything we talk about, so whether it's on a Monday devotion that we have where the whole village comes, families, what we go at and we're like, come, you've got what it takes. Um, there's purpose in you. God has brought you into this earth for a reason, young and old. So there's always constant that kind of talk and narrative happening around the kids. Um, you know, even at school, 
um, very Christian based, as you know, and really just yeah, encouraging the kids to 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 find God and find Christ and know Him as the Father, because that's what the village is about. Um, yeah, and 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 yeah. So Sunday school also an amazing space where the team really really just drives that point home that you belong, you're loved, you're cared for. So live in itself literally just is one big happy family and the kids have the opportunity to um, see that, to touch that um, and to be part of it, you know. We also understand that the kids, based on their backgrounds, um, will take longer sometimes to, to, to see that and appreciate it for what it is. But when the light comes on, it's the most beautiful thing because the child belongs and you can just see it. You know, they find their cliques, they find their spaces, their groups or their people. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually just such an incredible thing to be able to, to witness and be part of. Initially, um, yeah, I think at the, at the, at the, 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 the magnitude and the number, um, it's something which is unheard of, you know, up to 800 to 1,000 children. At, a, at an orphanage, you know, or at least, yeah, we don't like the term orphanage because we don't believe that we are one, but basically having so many kids um, in, a, in this kind of environment, in a foster cluster care system, that's what they call it. And so we have had some, um, I remember once, because DSD, Department of Social Development, they do an audit on us quite regularly to, to make sure that everything's in place. And so um, the initial registration was given for, I think, I think it was 150 odd kids or something. So the next one now, we're like, listen, we plus 150, we're looking at 200 and et cetera. They're like, no, man, how do you guys do this thing? Because how do you look after them? We said, no, come. So we invite them on, come and see. Here's the house, here's the mom, here's the school, here's the clinic, here's the this, here's the that. And it's mind blowing because they're like, you know, how is it possible that you guys can actually do this thing? And we're like, yeah. Yeah, we're doing it, you know, so it is it is mind blowing. And I think it will continue to be in particular also because some social workers, when the kids are 18, 19, when they come now to say that, you know, your child is is done with us, the social worker often gets, you know, anxious in that what's going to happen with the child because they've been here looked after all this time. And we basically said, so listen, you don't have to worry about that. We're looking after the kids until they can stand. And some have been in tears in those meetings because they're like, this is unheard of. So those young adults who aren't quite ready to leave the village as they matriculate because, let's be honest, many people aren't ready to leave home right after matric are given the chance to continue living on site and volunteering within the community. They do this alongside the other volunteers on site. A place this big and um, with so much that's been done, as you can imagine, um, we, we are fully reliant on, on our volunteers to come out and support in, in whatever capacity. Um, most of those volunteers currently are coming out from the UK. Um, once a year, um, our founders go over to uh, a um, church, um, church gathering there called uh, Soul Survivor, where it's mostly young teenagers that, that gather. And so they share the vision, they share who we are and what's happening here. And um, a lot of those kids then obviously want to come out and volunteer and see what's happening here. Inevitably, then they go back, they share with their churches, and then some church members, older folk, whether it's teachers, whether it's um, 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 accountants or marketing, you know, kind of guys, and they come out to basically serve. So the, the, the volunteering um, is it's in a few tiers. The other one tier is that we've got a designated discipleship uh, group that comes out from January to June and that's called Live for Change. 
and um, that's yeah i think the ages really range from about 19 to about 28 to 30 or so that 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 that, that the disciples group is about the first three months is on personal journey and then the next three months they go into different departments in the village where they they serve the next group um is uh, more long term so guys who are here for two years um and taking on um um, um positions in the different departments where like our our current um deputy head headmaster she's uh, she's from in the uk but she's taken on that role um our our doctor in the in the in the in the in, the, in our health center um was in the uk for many years she's originally south africa but she's lived in the uk for many years and she came out to volunteer at first and then now she's been working with us so there are those people that call the long-term volunteer and they want to be here for quite some time and then you get your short-term form two weeks to a month to six months so ranging from from that and um, also then obviously apply them in different areas around the village it must be quite expensive to keep all of this up and running i asked tessa how they manage to provide for children on this scale it's huge it's huge um simone um it's 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 nothing short of a miracle honestly um because we do get certain rebates and discounts in certain areas but for the amount of of, of people and, and children that we have um, it is it is it is a lot um, and so that is why we continue to to look at government look at business look at the church to to find the right partners basically to to assist us and help us to to make sure that we are looking after the children um, and so even in the sustainability you know question it's something which we've been discussing for for many years i mean um, as the video says, um, that we, we're always looking to be sustainable and uh, would love to get to a day and age where we're not actually dependent on donors. Um, and, and that's through the business side of the, of, of the village, which in itself has also had its ups and downs. As you can imagine, business is not easy, in particular when trying to have an NGO that's running its own business arm. Um, and so we've had some, some unfortunate setbacks and mistakes that we've done in the past. But uh, we've got um, a few people that have come on board who are much more business-minded and, and really just in that space. And so we're finding a lot of breakthrough, um, in particular in the last couple of years, two years or so, where we've partnered with the right people and getting some sort of um, yeah, momentum around, around you know, getting to the sustainability space. But we're still yeah, quite far off because of the nature of the village. And like you said, um, 96 houses, I mean, that in itself is, is huge and needing the, the maintenance costs and what needs to be done there. Our school in particular is also one that is very difficult to sustain. Um, it is, it is um, you know, in particular the salaries of the teachers, for example, um, there's always something which, you know, year by year, we're trusting that we could get a big funder who basically says, listen, I love education and I just want to come and, 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 and support you guys uh, educationally to make sure that you've got the right resources and teachers and people to, to support in that space. So um, I'll probably say that is the biggest at the moment um, area of, of need around, around sustainability. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping back and forth now, but on the business end, um, we, 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 we had some partners around, for example, um, Live Flowers that had gone on for about six years or so 
um, but unfortunately it didn't work the way that we were hoping for it to work in terms of uh, the, the funds that would coming onto the village and so we've, we've cut those ties. Um, another successful business is with Live Clean. Um, they are cleaning um, services around Durban in particular, but then also in Joburg. And um, they, they work in different companies, um, Conubia Mall, um, DPHS, um, uh, doing cleaning services there. So things like that, you know, where we've got a shareholding um, uh, capacity um, have always been amazing. So we're looking for more shareholding spaces where we can be share partners and uh, shareholders in, in those companies. And we trust that, yeah, with that, it will help in the, in the, in the, in the sustainability plan. Then we've also got um, a Moringa on the village which is basically a superfood. Um, we put into porridge, into tea. Um, we've also put into capsules and we sell a discam. Um, and that's something that will grow here on the village. And we also um, grind into, into the powder, into the capsules. And then uh, we get another company to help us with the distribution. So we're trusting that over the years, that will also pick up momentum and, and obviously we'll get quite a, quite a substantial amount of, of support around people um, and buying it for, for the health needs. Um, and then um, we've also got tunnels. Um, those tunnels we used to do baby marrow and uh, cucumber, and um, that used to be consumed as part of it here in the village, but then most of it would go into smaller markets where we would sell. But again, it was not building up into the numbers that we're hoping for it to do. So we've actually stopped that now, but now we've leased our, our, our tunnels to a bigger company, and that's basically renting each month and also supplying some, some jobs for um, the community members. What I enjoyed most about his response was that he was honest about the fact that it is actually all a learning curve. So some things do not quite succeed the way that they'd planned for it to. But then they either cut their losses or they went back to the drawing board and found another way to make it work, as they did with the greenhouse tunnels. I was also curious about the live wristband because I've seen plenty of people wearing these wristbands over the years. I wondered why they chose that particular marketing tool. Like any organization or company that wants to get more awareness, the wristband is always an easy space to go to. So I, I've been quite, quite blessed in that um, from the rugby space and the influence and the people that I know, um, we've managed to get a few you know, into the Sharks team and the Springboks team, etc. And um, we also have been fortunate in that we've had a few of the overseas teams, like the All Blacks, um, the English team, um, have come out to come to the village and obviously we'll give the players. And uh, we've seen one or two or three of them actually, you know, wearing um, the, the, the wristbands in different, in different times and different games, etc. So I know that there's still much more work for us to do around that. And uh, 2020, we trust, will be quite a, quite a significant year, just around our ambassadors. Um, we haven't really yeah made use of that space as best as we can and we are putting some ideas together this year in particular just to to tap into into that resource in terms of because i mean we've got a lot of guys that that love the village that when they come they're like wow i can't believe you guys are doing something like this and please continue to etc and um yeah so those guys i believe would be great um, influences around just um advocating for for what we do and obviously uh, proudly wearing their wristbands etc with so much happening on the village, so many things they're trying and want to get right, I found myself wondering about the children themselves and asked Chester whether he could share a bit more on their success stories with me. Also, I just want to give you a bit more context on one of the comments he makes in his answer. When I made my appointment to see Chester, he asked how long the interview would take. 
I told him that it was really all up to him and how much he wants to share. He responded by telling me that he's very open and that our interview might therefore have to include a trip to the airport. I was keen because it's always great to see what an organization actually does practically. So I replied telling him that it wouldn't be a problem and that I would see him over the weekend. Like I say, at the moment, um, our boys and girl um, are in varsity. We've got a few of them in university. One is at UCT. Um, actually, the one that was, when I said we're going to go to the airport, yeah, we're going to take him to the airport, but somebody else took him through. Yeah, so he's off to UCT. Um, um, actually, he finished in 2018. Then 2019, he had a gap year. He went over to the UK. Him and um, another young man, a young boy, Justin, they were together there. Um, very talented musicians. And so they were with the church up that side. So Moses come back and he wants to study. Justin carries on that side. Then we've got um, Austin. He's in Port Elizabeth. He's studying logistics there at NMMU. Then Mlondi is in the Free State. He's studying uh, social... Um, uh, what's Mlondi studying? But he wants to be a, a, a psychologist. Yeah, so he's doing psychology. And then Tsepang, he's uh, with Dibishenka, who we are also uh, shareholders with. They are, they've got a, a, a logistics academy up in Joburg, so he's studying there. And then the only girl in that group, she's based in Derbs, and she's um, studying beautician uh, at a college called BTI. Yeah, so that was the first six of our release stars that we put in that space. So, yeah, they're working life out as they're out there. Uh, we are always in touch. How's things going? Um, yeah, coach, I need this now. I uh, need that. I forgot a blanket. Please courier across or just buy one and we'll reimburse you. That kind of thing. So we're doing life, you know, like that. Then our second group of matrix, we're finishing now, 2019. Got four of them. Um, one, um, two of them, two boys are here at the village and they um, doing sport. They're doing sports internship at the moment. Um, the other two are girls. One wants to be a um, um, wants to go into catering, other catering or uh, photography. So we're giving her like a, a structured gap year this year to work out what that looks like and what she's going to choose. And then the other girl, she loves a drama. So we're waiting for one of the technicians in um, in Port Shepston to give us feedback on that. At this point, I became very emotional. Tears welled up in my eyes, and I was a bit embarrassed. Normally I manage to keep it together during interviews. But when I reflected on why this happened, I realized that I cried because it hit me what it must mean for these young people to have someone actually care about them. For a fleeting moment, I imagined not having a family and growing up in a group home, then turning 18 and being told that I must go, go out into the world and make it on my own. It was so powerful when I realized that this is not the case for these live graduates. They still have a family that they can talk to after they move on. It's not like they're now all grown up and no one cares to know what they're doing with their lives. The incredible meaning of that suddenly seemed to hit me all at once. Just because you've completed school, that doesn't mean you're ready to go out alone in the world. I certainly relied heavily on my parents for support for those first few years. And I still speak to my mom almost on a daily basis. I just don't know what I would do without that. And I just couldn't imagine how hard it must be for people who don't have that support system in place. And there must be so many young people like that out there at the moment. So I teared up a little bit because I was so happy that these young men and women are being given this support. It seems that others also feel that this concept would work well. 
And that's why at the moment there are some new live sites in the pipeline. Our founders went to America um, for about four months, I think, three months, yeah. And part of their trip then they went to a church there and they shared, you know, the story. And the couple there basically said, hey, we want to hear more. So they had a, a meeting with them. And in that conversation, the couple said, listen, we've been dreaming about something like this for San Antonio up in, in America. And long story short, Live San Antonio is also being, being, being birthed at the moment. Um, yeah, you build family. And um, we've, we've got two amazing um, groups of people that have come on board in terms of sharing the same vision and wanting to see the same thing you know, across the country where our children are looked after and cared for. So in Johannesburg, uh, in Lanseria, we've partnered with the organization called Refilwe. And uh, they've been running for about 24 years or so. And so um, we've uh, amalgamated and now it's called Live Lanseria. And so they, um, they've got a baby's house, baby home, and up to about 16 children, 16 babies. And they, those children then also go up for adoption basically um, with a drop-in zone. So moms literally drop a child in a box and then um, the, the, the team would look after them. Then we've also got um, about 12 children um, that are foster children part of a part of the village and their big um, area there is a Joe Slovo which is an informal settlement next to them and they do a lot of work through there um, with those children so um, homework clubs uh, sports clubs um, reading clubs and, and and that kind of thing so that's where the big emphasis is there they've also got a clinic on site which also um, services the community then in the Eastern Cape um, Grahamstown uh, we've got Liv Lukanyiso um, they are basically where we were at um, in 2010. Um, I think this year or next year there'll be a banquet and then also starting to raise some funds. They've got the piece of land already and then just obviously trusting that we can start to build um, in the year, in the next year or two. Yeah, so those are the three at the moment. So live Durban, live Lanseria and live Lucaniso. Before I completed the interview, I felt that I needed to ask Chester about a tough time the village went through a while ago. Their clinic was vandalized, and from the news reports I read at the time, it seemed that they came under quite serious threat from the community. In conversation around that time, I heard a few different people express their surprise at how this could have happened. We had just, the previous year, um, been asked to lead the village, basically. Um, and um, soon after that, 2017, then, a few political... Um, pawns, I'll put them that way, started to ask to see us, leadership, just want to talk about certain things. So I went across, myself and my wife and another manager, so we went through to chat with the guys. And long and short of it, they had about five different um, sort of grievances against the village that they were terming as, as, as areas of concern. Um, I won't go into too much depth into that for now, but all of them pretty much were just assumptions, um, false narratives that had obviously got out to the community, but just a huge, huge, huge misunderstanding, but also very politically driven, you know. So some of them was that the people that work here don't live in this community, that we are hiring people from other communities, etc. That was basically the, the biggest point that they were driving across to us. So we said, okay, let's sit down and let's have this conversation. So when you say that it's people that don't live here, who are you talking about? Are you from here? So talking to them now. 
and because the reality is that this community is is quite a a um, abnormal one in that a lot of the people that are here would have come from different areas whether it's your rural Zululand coming to look for work um, it's 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 yeah Phoenix moving closer here because the factories are here or whatever ShopRite is here the airport is here so people coming here to go find work so no one originates basically from here and so that's why we said are you guys from here so this point of contention the long and short of it um, it was a certain type of worker basically your menial kind of jobs um, farmer cleaner etc etc and we had about 80 to 90 of those people across the village working here and out of that 80 to 90 probably say about five people that don't come from this community because they live in Ndwedwe or they live in Waterloo or they live wherever and so that whole thing happened because of that and then the rumors come back to us and the stories come back to us to say yeah people were promised jobs by these guys and uh, when there was when it looked like they were not getting these jobs then they said let's show this village you know what we made of type of thing so Simone, yeah, that was such a huge learning curve for all of us. But I think as well, the narrative around it is organizations like a live where you come into an impoverished area and you're kind of given a mandate, whether you like it or not, of how do you uplift the people? How do you come alongside to assist and help them because they see a lot of things happening here. They see trucks, they see Springbok buses with players and English players and all sorts of stuff happening. And the, the, the folk who doesn't know much and hearing stories being said can make up anything in their mind. So that was one of the things I learned a lot there was that we need to be very clear in who we are and why we are here. And we need to communicate that effectively to the community. Because if they think that this is a cash cow, if they think that this is a, I don't know, a corporate company that has jobs for everybody, then they'll run with that narrative until the cows come home. So we learned a lot and we still do. So what we've subsequently done from there is that I've got like a liaison officer, somebody that I'm always constantly in touch with, we, we're hiring now, here's the CVs, please spread them around. Um, our school is open to some of the kids in the community, please ask people to come for interviews. So there's much more, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, so lastly on this point, I don't know how many people came to me, or us actually, to apologize afterwards. Say, listen guys, we're so sorry. We know what you guys are about. Um, we were just convinced that yeah, there were other narratives and other stuff happening here. Um, and we won't see this happening again. Because even our clinic, you know, we've got one on site, but the one that we're using right now is in the community, which services them. Part of the vandalization that happened was actually a clinic itself. So we had to stop the clinic for about two months or three months, which is crazy, you know? So, but yeah, that was a huge, huge learning curve. But um, yeah, there's no, there's no stress at the moment. But the one thing that we are always aware of is the land grabs and that we do, our land is quite quite vast 
And so we have, on some occasions, had people trying to actually just set up camps and set up shacks in different areas. So we deal with that as, as we go along. Finally, I asked Chester how us as the public could help them or support their work. I think the narrative at the moment is that South Africans don't volunteer. I'm sorry, that's not the right narrative. They do, but it's not a popular thing. It's not something which we, yeah, I want to volunteer. I want to go do something. Um, obviously, you know, your Mandela days, guys come out and do different things. But a, a, a lifestyle of volunteering, I would definitely love to, yeah, um, we would love to expose people to that. Um, yes, there's criteria for people to come, but let it not be an excuse for people not to at least knock on the door to say, listen, this is what I offer. So, like we said, there's diverse um, departments on the village, and so um, whatever your niche is, whether it's marketing, whether it's photography, whether it's um, psychology, whether it's social work, you know, we're looking for people to come and, and support us in that way as, 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 as volunteers. So that's definitely something. Or just come and see. Just come and visit. Um, we've got different days. If you go to our website, you'll see the different days that people can come um, as friends, as groups, as family, um, and you t uh, have a tour around the village, etc. Um, financially, like you said, and as you know, um, we are very diverse and it's a huge operation. So we often communicate around two areas, the school, where, you know, textbooks. Um, we've got a campaign that we run, basically, it's Educate a Child at 2,000 Rand a month. Um, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an area of focus that one could choose. Um, for your bigger corporates, we've also got Support a Family, which is at 10,000 Rand a month. But also in that supporting a family, we basically ask the corporate to adopt the family like, a, like, a, like their own, where you can come for children's birthdays, you come and you bring a present, or you come and do a lunch, or whatever it is, whatever you feel it, it, as, as a company you'd love to do. Um, because we feel that, yeah, the, the, the partnerships, it's not about the finances. Finances obviously go a long way, but we want to create a space where, um, a boss of a company who could be struggling at home to be a father, to look after his own kids, that when they come here, they will be like, hey man, let me re-examine myself because there's kids out there who don't have me as a dad at home who can be looking after them. I know that's quite intense, but that's part of the reason why we're here. Um, and so those are areas where people can definitely support in that, in that sense. Our training department, um, also a big area where people can support whether it's CSI or, or, or tax purposes. Um, again, there we are looking at creating more training uh, opportunities from uh, computer um, courses to plumbing courses to carpentry courses um, to bricklaying courses. So we basically want to grow that space. So yeah, any support in that space would be amazing. And then I think awareness is always something which we can never have enough of. Um, and so, um, yeah, follow us on our, on our, on our links, whether it's, it's Facebook, um, Live Village, um, Instagram. Um, yeah, I can send you all the stuff which you can just put on your, on your, on your, on your, on your tags. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's, that for us the key thing is that people, if people would know that there is a place like Live, I believe that it will bring so much more hope and, um, 
and, 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 and faith in people's lives to know that we can do this thing together. Yeah. Uh, it's countless times where I've had people come. I've heard of love, of, of whatever, and then they come and they're like, I can't believe that this is what you guys are doing. You know, and so with those narratives and those conversations, it just always excites me that there's always something that we can do. It doesn't have to be huge. Literally just, yeah, whatever it is that you've got in your hand, God multiplies and makes use of it. And we're just fortunate to, to see it happening in front of our eyes. <laughs> I was happy to learn that Liv would be turning 10 years old next year. While Chester took me on a tour of their facilities, showing me the different homes and communal spaces, he spoke about updating their video in the near, in the near future. They made their current video themselves, which I think is super impressive because it's a professional video. But I thought I would mention it here, just in case there are any videographers out there who are listening and would like to help them celebrate their 10-year birthday. Leaving Liv, I had to smile to myself. One of my friends warned me that visiting them would be an emotional experience. I told her that all of my interviews so far have been an emotional experience. People are honestly doing so much good out there. But she'd been right. I did feel deeply affected by seeing something like this that was actually working. Seeing children receiving the help they need and knowing that there is a future for them, that growing up in a group home wouldn't define them in a negative way into the future. It made me feel hopeful, happy and also a little bit sad actually because of the pasts these children have had to overcome. To learn more about Live Village or if you would like to get in touch with them you can visit their website www.live-village.com or you can follow them on Facebook or Instagram. Foundation was created by me, Simone Scott, with original music created by Wayne Charles Simpson.